Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Expressions Podcast. We have a wonderful, wonderful guest for you today. A very, very funny man, stand-up comedian, host of the Wicked Funny Podcast. Mr. Brian Bowden is joining us today. Before we get to Brian, I want to welcome in my fellow co-host, Mr. Mark Finders, Brian Weiss, and Aurora Robinson. Mark, I botched your name. I don't know if you caught that. I called you Mark Finders. That's all right. <laughs> it's not the first time. It won't be the last. There you go. So uh, let's do a quick roundtable. How's everybody feeling? Mark, starting with you, how are you feeling this week? What's been going on? Uh, it's, it's been a great week so far. Um, had a good weekend. Uh, I get Sundays off, and uh, you know it was a, it was a great day. And uh, you know, just looking forward to the rest of the week. It's going to be a good there week. You go. <laughs> Brian, how about yourself? Brian Weiss, because again, guys, we're going to be very confused today. We've got two Brian's and a Ryan, so buckle up. <laughs> and they're all spelled differently, which is okay with me. But uh, yeah, I'm doing great today. I taught the McMichael Art Gallery uh, Photography Camp started today. So the spring break photo camp, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, nine kids between nine and 15 years old learning photography virtually, which is really a new thing for me. So it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. And Aurora, how about yourself? What have you been up to this week? I've been uh, off work since actually Thursday. So I've had some four days off, so a little bit of a vacation. I haven't had a vacation in a very long time. So I missed you, by the way. It's a COVID <laughs> vacation. <laughs> uh, I've missed you guys too, but I've also much needed relaxation time and watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> and I was going to say, is this a legitimate vacation or is this a COVID vacation? This is just me being at home, enjoying nice. some cider, uh, doing some laundry. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That kind of vacation. <laughs> so now let's get to the man of the hour. Of course, I mentioned at the start of the broadcast here, he, he is a stand-up comedian, host of the Wicked Funny Podcast. I got a chance to meet him last year on the Chris Jericho cruise, Mr. Brian Bowden. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Did I get the last name right, by the way? I took kind of you a gamble did. there. <laughs> you really, really did. Nice. All right. I'm really <laughs> impressed with that. Nobody ever says my last name correctly. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I cheated. I went to YouTube. That's fine. I, <laughs> Did I, some I, research, but uh, I was like, hopefully if this guy got it right, then I will too. <laughs> don't ever do Just You should have just keep selling it. Just keep selling it. Just be there like, I don't know how to stay in name. Yeah, yeah, I'm the beast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we get into to everything, I want to ask you, how are you holding up? Because I know the last year, is it goes without saying, it's been rocky for everybody. How are you doing right now, man, with uh, the current state of everything? Uh, doing a lot better now, um, now that uh, things are starting to open up a little bit more and people are a little more willing to come out to shows. It's a little better, but it's definitely not, hey, we're doing shows every weekend, we're traveling. It's definitely not the same. It's a lot of, you know, it was a lot of Zoom shows over the year. I'm, uh, yeah, a lot of podcasting over the year. It's a lot of virtual stuff, a lot of virtual stuff. Were you were you big into the podcasting prior to COVID? Like, was it something that you did as much as you're doing now? Um, I mean, I guess I, uh, I'm I'm really I um, I'm not lazy, but I don't have like I never had the idea of doing a podcast. People came to me and they're like, "You should have a podcast. You should have a podcast." And then my business partner was like, "Let's just do a podcast. All you have to do is show up and talk." And I'm like, "Well, that's." I can do that. So I, that's it. But now I'm more active in it. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how to post an episode, but, you know, I, we got our regular episode of the Wicked Funny Podcast, and we have a Patreon episode that we do every week. And then uh, Craig Gass and myself are going to be coming out with a podcast called Your Music Sucks, where we uh, 
<laughs> where we just break down each other's music. We're into just complete opposite ends of a spectrum when it comes to music. I have seen that. You've been posting these on Facebook lately, these uh, these musical comparisons. You guys will send each other some songs to check out. It's something that you're into that you'll show to him. And yeah, it's you're right, opposite ends of the spectrum. I've never seen two uh, close buddies with quite different tastes in music like that. Yeah, and it gets so <laughs> awkward when we're driving, man. You know what it's like driving <laughs> hours with a person and you want to like hear a song, but you got to figure out a creative way to play it, you know? Yeah. It's really bad. <laughs> I don't like it, but we get through. We get there through. We go. <laughs> um, so let's kind of talk about uh, your, your, your career as a stand-up comedian, because to me, that's one of the most wonderful careers you could have. It's just nothing but joy. You're literally bringing joy to people's life. You're making people happy. You're making people laugh. How important is that to you in your career? Is that kind of the reason you got into it? What brought you into comedy? Uh, you know, I always had like this sixth sense when it comes to making people laugh. Like it was just, I don't know, like it's just, I can't explain it. It's just something I was always good at. And comedy, you know, stand up was just something I was always drawn to at a really young age. Like we're talking fifth, sixth grade. I would stay home from school sick. My mom would take me to rent movies and I wouldn't get, I wouldn't get movies. I would get stand up. I would get comic relief. I would get Eddie Murphy stuff. I would get Richard Pryor. And then I would just literally watch stand-up comedy and, and wrestling like all day. That's all I would watch. And uh, then the next day I would go to school and just repeat the bits that I heard. So at a real young age, I was, I was teaching myself timing. I was teaching myself how to tell a joke. And that carried up to uh, high school. That's when I started actually getting on stage. It was my senior year in high school. I was like 18, 19. And that's and did I you really know when you were renting it. these that you wanted to be a stand-up, or were you almost self-consciously absorbing this information that by high school you went, hang on, I actually know how to, to do this to a degree? Yeah, no, I just enjoyed it, and uh, and and it just, I don't know, like it just, I, I, I guess you could say I grew up being, like when I was in sixth grade, I remember, somebody's like, what do you want to do? It was a project. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I remember, like, it was like a cop or a comedian and and I ended up I ended up being a cop because my buddy was a cop and we thought it'd be cool if we were partners, and then we didn't realize how how silly that would have been like if we actually <laughs> pursued it. And so uh, so yeah, it was down between a cop and a comedian in sixth grade. So that's when I wanted to start doing it. That's crazy, and I love that you have that uh, that being able to pull that memory out like just to be able to flick back and go yeah it was either a cop or a comedian that was the moment where i went you know what i know what i want to do i certainly don't want to you know uphold the law <laughs> don't yeah. want to do that and then, and then i remember uh they, i remember when seinfeld was big i don't know like the first couple years seinfeld was out and it was a show about a guy that did comedy like a guy that did stand-up and i and i really remember a conversation i had with my buddy james and my mom and uh i'm like i'm gonna be a comedian i'm like Seinfeld does it. I can do it, you know. And they're like, "Yeah, but he doesn't make a lot of money. Like, he even has side jobs on the show." And I'm like, "I can do it. I can." And so, I, like, so whatever year Seinfeld came out too, like, I it's been a while since I wanted to do it. Yeah, it's been ingrained in me, I guess. That's awesome, man. Uh, so, kind of talk to us about your early days in stand up. Then, what was it like? You said you first took the stage in high school, right? Yeah. And was that so, obviously just at your school, or was that? Did you actually go no, to club? And I would go to, to open mics. I would oh, go to awesome. open mics, and uh, and I didn't know that you couldn't do other people's material. So I was at <laughs> open mics, literally doing Eddie Murphy Delirious, which is 
arguably the most iconic stand-up set of all <laughs> yeah. time. You ain't fooling anybody like, with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I was doing it. I was owning it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and goody goo goo. And I'm doing the fucking ice cream thing. Like, I'm doing it all, man. Like, I'm doing the entire delirious set. And it, like, it started out where <laughs> I would do, like, like, could you only get, like, five minutes? I would do five minutes of delirious and then like the next time i went up i would do the next five minutes of delirious oh jeez five minutes of delirious. so i would just do it all in five minute chunks and like like the, like the guy that booked me was just oblivious either he was oblivious and didn't know i was doing other people's material or he just didn't care uh, I think he was just oblivious to it because he kept saying, like, you bring new stuff every time. You're really good. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm really great, man. <laughs> that whole thing about your aunt being Puerto Rican and having a mustache is great. I'm like, yeah, 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 goonie goo goo. <laughs> what was the crowd reaction to you just ripping off Eddie Murphy? They didn't care. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. It was just like, oh, this, this guy's funny. And oh, was hot, right? yeah. So yeah. no, and but nobody told me I I couldn't do that. So like nobody told me it was frowned upon. And the guy that would book me for years, like two three years, he would just keep booking me because I would I would also bring people to the show. And so I wasn't getting booked anywhere else, and uh, it got frustrating. And I'm just like going out, and it, it became more like a party than actual stand up. And uh, it, I, it like drinking became the priority and doing drugs was the priority and, and stand up became second. So I ended up quitting in 2004 for about three years. So I quit and then I started back up again in 2007. Okay. And you've been going strong since 2007. Yeah. 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 So like I have like two start dates, 99 and 07. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I haven't stopped since 07. That's so awesome. At what point um, during your sort of career in the beginning did you realize that it was wrong to be uh, doing doing Eddie Murphy's show, basically, and then start bringing in your own material? It was actually when uh, it was towards the later end of that uh, that first chunk where where somebody was just like, uh, you know, just stop doing Eddie Murphy stuff, and I go, and I go, and I and I owned. It. I'm like, yeah, but it's funny. It's funny. It works. <laughs> And like you got to write your own jokes, and I had like some of my own jokes, um, but that was really discouraging. Like to go from uh, crushing every night to like, oh man, now I have to write an entire set. Like fuck that, and I walked away. Yeah. So so it was that it was like the tail end of '04 when when somebody finally said something to me, and I smartened up, and and, uh, and that's that. Now I now I now I still do some of the old jokes that I did from from back then from like. From ninety nine, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm curious because you had mentioned that you know you took that that three year hiatus from stand up comedy simply because it was becoming more of a party atmosphere to you. As somebody who relates to that, I've gone through that similar thing myself. What kind of is the difference now being back? Because you've been in comedy again for over a decade since your return. What's the difference now compared to what it was becoming towards the tail end of two thousand three, two thousand four? Well, when I came back, it was more, I, I was, I was, I was grown up a little bit, you know, I grew mm -hmm. up a little bit and, and it was, it was like, all right, so this is what I want to do. And if I'm going to do it, I got to take it serious. And I just started taking it serious. And then after two months, I got this tattoo, right? Okay. Well, I can't turn my wrist that way, but it's just, <laughs> a, it's a, it's a Japanese 
thing that just says laugh. It's the, the Chinese symbol for a laugh or Japanese. I don't know what. It's an Asian writing. I hope it means laugh. And, uh, <laughs> and you know what's funny? I was I was doing this web series in in uh, Pittsburgh one time, and uh, the the waitress we were having like sushi, and the waitress comes over to the table. She goes, "Ah, uh, your tattoo. I like your tattoo." I'm like, "Oh, thank you very much." She goes, "What does it say?" And I'm like, "Uh, it says laugh." She goes, "Yeah, it says laugh." And then oh, no. I don't know. Last thing you need. I don't know what it says, but and you know she could easily be messing with you. That's a 50-50. Oh, I hate like, that. It was, it's a, dude. I to this day I don't know. Um, <laughs> Now, so to be fair, we could Google. We could just Google and and solve yeah, this. Yeah, do the Google debate. Translate thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, no, I, leave the air mystery. I like we it. We could, but I'm just gonna trust that yeah. picture I saw at Target that said "Live, Laugh, Love" in Chinese, and I'm gonna use Target's <laughs> reference. Target did yeah. the work, and so now it's on me forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it could really just say put logo here, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. put logo here. Yeah, okay. Insert. It could say anything. Yeah. Insert. Uh, oh, good God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but yeah, I got it. I got the tattoo. That way, I I it, I know that it would make me not quit. You know, and like even if I wanted to quit, I look down and be like, oh, I got the stupid tattoo. I can't quit. <laughs> and uh, and so so that's. So that's really what drove me was getting a tattoo. And, just, uh, well, it's, it's funny, too, that you're able to to look down at, like, what you're saying is just a stupid little tattoo. But, again, it's so impactful and so meaningful that it's what's helping you say, look, I don't want to use comedy as this party atmosphere anymore. I want to use comedy as something that betters me and other people's lives. So that, to me, is uh, – that's huge, man. That's super huge. Even for a, a small little tattoo that might not mean much to wow, anybody you else. you guys that's, are so <laughs> – Nice. You oh, really are. We're such <laughs> Canadian. We're, we're so Canadian. Canadian. Yeah, we are Canadian. It's, it's I know, unfortunately man. comes with the territory. So nice. So nice. <laughs> I, I Even really before the episode, you. you guys were being so nice to each other. You got to see us before we do the Wicked Funny podcast. We're yelling at each other. Uh, <laughs> Katie's calling me stupid. My ghost calls me stupid. It's just my. We're not doing that bit. And uh, you got you know she yells demands and Frank, my other co-host, is an idiot. And it's just nice to hear people be nice to each other. That oh, there's well, a reason. <laughs> okay, I just want to say quickly. I know Mark, you wanted to say something. But I wanted to say quickly about the nice part. There's a reason for that. The Expressions Podcast is about bringing people up, and making everybody happy, and we've committed it to each other that this isn't going to bring stress into our life. This isn't going to bring uh, turmoil, and it's not going to bring a situation that's going to make us think twice about wanting to do it. So. The fact that we are nice or whatever, it's really just we're all passionate and still very excited about this process. And um, to talk to new people like yourself, Brian, and to, to learn about uh, comedy isn't something I've ever really considered myself uh, a, a, a candidate to get into because you have to have wit. You have to have a completely different level of confidence, which are things that I've never possessed. So I'm more the guy that sits back in the back of the comedy club and laughs at the really funny people where – you have to have a complete different inert sense of, of having wit and timing and things like that to even want to get into it. So the fact that you were doing Eddie Murphy routines, a good taste. Well, good on you. Cause that's <laughs> delirious is like the best ever. Yeah, that's, that's my awesome. era. Right. Uh, yeah. But B to be able to pull it off, you have to have that wit and that confidence. So I, I, my question would have been what came first, the wit, the confidence or the desire to be a comedian. Uh, I think the wit, 
the wit came first because I, I, I'm in the 99% of ADHD. I'm in the 99 percentile. So for anybody listening, uh, out of 100 of my peers, I have more ADHD than 99 of them. It's it's a it's a it's a severe level of ADHD, and but one of the side effects of ADHD is blurting stuff out, saying inappropriate things. It's a legit side effect. So when I'm in school getting in trouble, it's because I'm making those jokes, and I'm and I'm I have such a quick processing speed that when I walk into a room, I'm able to read the room and know how to make the joke, know how to know how deep to go with the joke, know how far to push that line. Um, so it, it, so the wit came first, but the wit came through this, uh, ADHD, I was going to call it a disease through this disease that I have. <laughs> it came through this disease that I'm suffering from. I suffer from ADHD. <laughs> hey, if it made everybody a great comedian, then I'd want to hang out with you more to catch this disease because <laughs> if it was that easy. Sorry, Mark. What were you going to say, Mark? I, I, at this point, I can't even remember. <laughs> it was probably, <laughs> probably something about not being one to talk with the tattoos. I've got uh, just a couple myself. So, um, and, and some of them people say, well, why, why did you get that? I'm like, why not? I mean, I've got this many, what difference does it make? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've never, I've never said it publicly, but I will admit it. The only tattoo I have is R2D2 with an X-wing boner. It's wow. something to see. Let me say it's something to see. It depends where on where that is. That? Where do Maybe you have that displayed on your I'm body? I'm not sure I want to know. I, I have that displayed on the back of my leg, so just below the knee. That's such a good spot. A boner yeah. on the back of Because it's in a leg. spot where people yeah. can see it, but it's also yeah. in a spot where it's like nobody has to look at you in the face when they see this thing on you. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, it's up to them. It's up to them to get the story. Yeah, exactly. You're facing away from them when they see the tattoo. It's up to them to be like, hey, what's up with that X-Wing dick on your leg? <laughs> so funny enough, actually, um, a lot of listeners won't know this. We met on the, the Jericho cruise briefly. And when we met, it was at the Red Cup Jeff and Craig Gass signing that they did. So I was hanging out with Red Cup, and there was a bunch of guys hanging out there. And because I'm wearing shorts, one of the guys happened to notice the tattoo. So before you know it, I've got Red Cup, and pretty much that entire group of guys was like, I got to get pictures of this tattoo. Like, this is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm the only guy in this group that doesn't have a tattoo. I feel a little bit uh, inadequate right now, actually. I'm sure we could change that before the end of expressions. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm only newly tattooed, so I guess. Yeah, but yours is pretty epic, though. I mean, you've got a pretty <laughs> awesome tattoo. Yeah. Um, on the topic of tattoos, <laughs> do you have any other tattoos, Brian, or is that is it just laugh? Was that the first and only? No, I got um, all right. So, 18th birthday, I got my last name on my arm, which is like such a shitty tattoo. Like, I want to cover it up. I, I, I got to get a cover up, but I got that, and then I got um, I got a Celtic walking maze on my oh, shoulder. Wow. Oh, okay, uh, nice. And I got that because a lot of times when I'm writing or thinking, I'm constantly moving around. And uh, have you guys ever seen the show Oz on HBO? Oh, yes. Season four, they put this in the gym, on the floor of the gym. That's right. Yep. I remember and, that. And I remember watching that. And McManus, the guy, the character on the show, he's walking the thing. I'm like, I'm like I do that. I do that. I do what McManus does. And uh, <laughs> that's when I decided to get the tattoo to... As a, it's it's a it, it reminds me to meditate and walk. 
<laughs> That's actually really important. Um, I uh, around the corner from my house, there's a really nice park. Um, and in the park, there's a labyrinth and it talks about like the history of labyrinths, like where you go in, you walk into the labyrinth, it's just red stone is the outline of what the wall should be and the white stone is like the walking path. But is it and, like a real labyrinth, like walls on the side of you? No, David Bowie no, so crotch? It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's flat ground, but the, uh, the red brick is like where you're supposed to like the technically the walls and the white brick is like the path that you're supposed to walk and the idea with a labyrinth is you walk in and you get to the center of the labyrinth and then the exit is the same way you entered so you have to go through the whole thing again and i like to go there sometimes when i'm you know stressed out or wanting to decompress or whatever it may be so sometimes these little things these little tricks like you know your celtic maze or a labyrinth or whatever it may be can help you get into a creative process or help you to you know decompress from stress and that makes a big a big difference i walked it today <laughs> you, get, really? you get cool. mad when people jump over the side and don't follow the path <laughs> um i see regularly kids in in that thing they're just riding their bikes all over the lines and it kind I would of like those kids those kids i would hate them what's even worse is that there's people that have done graffiti on it like splash paint and like wrote like profanity and stuff on it and that's like that's that's disrespectful the kids that I guess I get matter, the but... kids. That that's just annoying. But yeah, somebody <laughs> graffiti. You know what? I think the graffiti would bother me less because you're not graffitiing while I'm there. Like I can still out of sight, out of mind kind of deal. Like all right, so somebody drew a dick on the maze, whatever. But if I'm trying to, if I'm, if I'm like mad, and I go to this maze to do this specific thing to release this stress that I have. And you got these hooligans running around. <laughs> oh God! I felt I want that. Those kids to I've roll definitely an ankle. felt that. Every before. one of them. <laughs> I yell That's at them. I, say, I hope you roll an ankle. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, you said, uh, "Sorry, Ryan," when you said hooligans, it reminded me of an SCTV skit. Did you ever watch SCTV? No. A comedian. That's a comedian show. I will admit. Yeah. It's a comedian <laughs> show, but John SCTV Candy, too. Eugene Levy. Like all of those guys, they were just no. all the guys from Ghostbuster basically were were they started SCTV. Do yourself way to go, Brian. You've offended the Canadians. Sorry. <laughs> My <laughs> job here is done. SCTV. That's all the time we have for this evening. <laughs> <laughs> go fuck yourselves. <laughs> 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 the cool thing about that show, though, is you've got it's a cast of characters that basically for the, I think it was the second season, they were locked away in this big, huge warehouse way up in the middle of, I think, northern BC or something in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan or somewhere out in the prairies. And there was nobody around them. And they basically were they had drugs, they had alcohol and they had creative people. And they sat there and they they punched out these episodes that you watch today. And you're like, how did they get away with this stuff? And just ridiculous Stuff that inspired comedian after comedian after comedian. So the question is, sure, we all love Eddie Murphy, but what was your original influence other than Eddie Murphy uh, that made, like Richard Pryor? You said Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. I mean, absolutely. They influenced Bobby so Collins. Bobby Collins. Nice. Bobby Collins. Nice. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's just this old school Italian guy. But when you're a kid and he's doing his set – and he's doing the voice of his dog 
and he talks about his doctor as like a reoccurring person in his set. And and most of his punchlines is a reaction. Uh, like a lot of times a comedian will tell you jokes. A comedian will say uh, X, Y, and Z, and then ABC is the punchline. Bobby Collins would just say something, and the way that he said it, the way that he delivered it, the face that he made, the reactions that he had, that's what sold the joke. So I really liked watching Bobby Collins when I was young, especially because I could relate to it, you know? Um, a lot of comics you can't. Like, I can't relate to... I can't relate to having a wife or a toilet seat being up. I was I was a kid, but I can relate to a guy talking to his dog. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> love it. Yeah, and it's funny. I got to open up for Bobby Collins, and I bombed. His people do not like Brian Bowden. The people that go, the people that like Bobby Collins do not like me, and uh, we found that out the hard way. Everybody, oh, no. oh it was great. It was, it was great. <laughs> you got me on the edge of my seat here. You're great at building suspense. I'll tell you that yeah, much. <laughs> yeah, it was really great. It was that awesome. That was one thing I wanted to ask about because I've been to comedy shows for like people's birthday before. Um, and uh, there are some nights where it's really good and it hits the audience perfectly and everybody's laughing, everybody's reacting. And then there's other nights where it just doesn't work out. The comedy... The, the comedian versus the audience that just doesn't match up. So how do you kind of read the people, read the situation and maybe tailor to a set or whatever it may be? Um, or when you have a bad, like a bad experience like this one. Um, well, the Bobby Collins thing was clearly like, it was, it was clearly a, um, an, an, an audience thing. And it's not that they were a bad crowd and it's not that I'm a bad comedian. It's just that, his people don't want to hear a bunch of pot and fart jokes. They don't want to do it. They're, they're older. They're in their late 50s, early 60s. They just want to come out and, and, and laugh at, at Bobby Collins. So when you got somebody 30 years younger than you going up, doing whatever it is I was talking about, it, it, it just doesn't mesh, you know? Um, and the reason why I said it was awesome is because at one point I'm up there and I'm just like, if this isn't going to work, and I just... I just fed into it and I laid there and I just enjoyed bombing because I've told these jokes a hundred times and I've told them a hundred times at the club that I was at. It was just a mishmash. But, um, but yeah, reading the crowd is, is like I said, like that's the one thing I was, I was really good at. Like I'm tailor made to take in that information and adjust, you know, I did a show Thursday and uh, I came out at a certain level and then I had to come down to kind of match the audience level. And then I realized, all right, these are people that don't come out to a lot of comedy shows. So I had to change my set from what I would normally do to kind of cater to them to now I'm like literally holding their hand and taking them through a comedy show saying like, all right, I'm going to bring up comedians. You guys have to laugh. It's going to work out. Um, but a lot of comics don't have that ability, and a lot of guys will force the jokes in, and that's when you get to see a real heavy, awesome, like just a beautiful bomb when you see that. When you see <laughs> just a beautiful, <laughs> there's something about a comedian bombing. Other comedians absolutely love it. It's, it's a great thing to watch. It's a great thing to watch. So, uh so I just wanted to really quick talking about the uh, the fan interaction there. How is your experience been with hecklers? How do you deal with hecklers? Because I know that's one of the things that I really 
I notice a lot in stand-up is the amount of heckling that goes on. Um, I, I love to go to stand-up or uh, clubs, and I just see nonstop from beginning to end. Not not beginning to end, but for a majority of the show, there's always one or two people that have had a couple too many and want to get involved, want to try to to beak off. So what's your experience like that been like, and how do you deal with it? Um, well, early when I came back in 07, I got, uh, I got this gig at the Comedy Connection, Rhode Island, and it and it was called the Hardcore Show. And the owner at the time was a coked out alcoholic who papered the room, which means he gave away tickets to everybody and then told the bouncers to let the crowd heckle the comics. And it's going to be a no holds barred show. So I was I was fortunate enough to kind of deal with hecklers right up front. Um, you don't see a lot of mean hecklers anymore. You know, nobody comes out to a comedy show and deliberately tries to be mean. Um if they are, those are kind of, those are easy to shut down. Uh, the happy hecklers are the tough ones. Those are the ones where it's like they came out, they had a few, and they wanna, they wanna help the comedian. They wanna help you. You know, they wanna give you stuff. Um, those are a pain in the ass to deal with, but it's, it's rolling with it, right? You gotta roll with it. Uh, advice that I tell young comics is uh, use the "I'm rubber, your glue" uh, strategy. So it's like, no matter what somebody says to me, I'm going to own it. No matter what, I'm going to own it. I'm going to own it. And then I'm going to throw it back at you. And we're going to play ping pong and you're going to lose. Cause I've done this for years, you know? <laughs> nice, yeah. I, I, you it know? goes right back to like Brian said, that confidence, you have to have that confidence in comedy. And again, with dealing with these hecklers, like you said, you're going to play ping pong and you're going to win because you just know. Yeah. You like said, if yeah. you go to my, if you go to my YouTube page, I, I don't have a lot of clips. I might, I might have 20 clips up and like 18 of them are just heckler clips. Yeah. Like just, just crowd work and heckling. Yeah, everyone, and, and everyone hates it. a heckler, but we love to see the comedian that's on stage. Take that heckler down. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love That's one of my favorite things is watching comedians yeah. take down hecklers. I love it's it. Personally. Great. It's Absolutely. great. I'll give you guys a peek behind the curtain. I'll give you guys, I'll tell you what I do. Uh, and a lot of comedians do this, but they won't admit it. Uh, if somebody's like talking, somebody's being obnoxious, heckling, like, I don't want to say heckling, but just being obnoxious, you know, they might yell out every once in a while. I ignore it. Right. I don't, I don't say anything. Right. I know it's happening. I just let it happen. Right. And the people at their table are going to start to get upset. And then the longer you let it go, the tables all around them are going to be upset. And then the longer you let that go, the tables around those. So it's like you create this like, uh, ground zero area for when you slam that heckle, and then and then I just come back and I'll just be like, you you really need to shut the fuck up right now. And then that's when everybody just erupts and they think I'm the hero, and it's like I really didn't do anything. I'm really just a mastermind that just kind of I'm a villain. I'm a mastermind villain that let you people get upset so I can be your hero. That's like <laughs> that's Loki. That's like Loki <laughs> stuff right there, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. That is some, yeah, that's dark. That You took us into a dark place there. Yeah. I'm, I like it. I'm very jealous. Uh, I'm very jealous. And, and the reason for that is because, again, having that wit and that ability to read and to be able to fight back is one thing. But Aurora and I, and actually all of us, we all work retail. Um, we can tell you that in our world, we get the same kind of people coming in who either are thinking they're funny or are just rude or are only thinking about themselves. And especially during a pandemic time, uh, there's a lot of rudeness that goes on. And in retail, we just have to suck it up. You can't, yeah. you can't yeah. say 
what you're thinking. And even if what you're thinking is clever and witty and you can, you can, you can get it out, you can't do that because then you have to write a letter and apologize to them and you have to, you know, like eat crow and been there, done that. Trust me. Um, Oh, I would yeah. love to play ping pong with those that think they're helping me in my job. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> I would love to have that back and forth with the ones who say, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's how you do this. Yeah, but to be able to have that wit and to be able to even, even if you were to work retail, I'm sure that you would be able to think of the right way to say something to still get your point across where you won't have to write that letter, which now, is you know, I, the real catch. I've been told this and, and it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like, I guess, like, my, I have this look, right? I have this look. Like, I'm just a big, lovable guy, right? You, at first glance, I'm just a big, I look like Hurley from Lost, right? Like, uh, so I have this, this look. And with that, I'm able to say horrific things to people and to have them, like, take it as a compliment, you know? Like, even the, like, I remember we were golfing one time, and this guy was wearing these weird pants behind us. Like, they were, like, really black, shiny. They were, like, tuxedo pants. They were really weird pants. And uh, and he kind of hit a ball near us, and he came up to our group, and he was like, uh, he goes, hey, guys, sorry, I hit the ball in there. I go, I go, I tell you what, I go, ridiculous pants like that. You can hit the ball wherever you want, buddy. And <laughs> literally, like, his foursome erupted, my foursome erupted. Uh, and it wasn't, like, horrific what I said to him, but – just the fact that you never talk to this guy, and that's the first thing I say, and everybody's on board with it. Um, it's it's a good it's a good superpower to have, I guess. There you go. Yeah. I Give think it's a, also the delivery too that makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have any examples of where your wit has backfired, where you made a comment like that and everybody wasn't so uh, susceptible to receive it? Um. Yeah, I got I got hit by a stripper once during a show because I said she was a hooker, and mm -hmm. uh, she wasn't thrilled at that. <laughs> that would happen. Yeah, yeah. I, that was that was uh, that's real witty. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I, was, uh, <laughs> I said, yeah. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Let me think. What do I say to this one? What do I say to this hooker. one? You're a hooker. <laughs> What not like, to do? It was one of those things where, like, you know, uh, I said something like, "I like, like you're done working." I'm like, I'm "Like you can give your mouth a rest for once," something like that. And she came up to the stage. She hit me and she goes, "I'm a dancer, not a hooker." And I'm like, "Oh, all right. Sorry about that. Sorry, I uh, I mixed up the the profession." <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. I mean, there's there's been times at shows where I've said something that's backfired. Um, usually in social situations, they don't, cause if I'm going to say something in social, like outside of the stage, um, I'm going to be real confident in what I say. Cause I, I, I'm not a very sociable person, which is right. weird cause I'm a comic, but yeah, it's not weird at all. I totally get it. Um, yeah. Everybody thinks that again, because I work retail and because I might do a podcast or I've done a TV show or all these different things, they think that how could I be an introvert? But when I'm out in public and you see me, I like, I dip, you know, I, I don't want to yeah. interact. I don't want to be a part of that. I'm just kind of, I'm me, I'm just doing me and, and I, I'm not in people's lives or anything like that. It's just, I get it. I mean, you have this personality that you can put out there and that's, that's what you're projecting. Mm. But for you, for yourself, you have to protect that. You keep that. Yeah. In. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's why like, I loved 2020. Like I thought it was great. 
You know, like it sucked. I couldn't do shows, but I get to stay in. I don't have to go out. I'm not expected to 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 interact with people. Uh, I'm loving it, and, and and the fact that it was socially acceptable to do that was great for me. Like it was well, really. We're always looking really, for excuses. Otherwise, no. There's well, no, that's the thing. You know, I don't look. Like, see, I don't look for excuses. I I, I I've learned. Uh, especially over this year that I'm not, I, I don't want to look for excuses. Cause I think that's worse. I think it's worse when you, when you talk to somebody and you're like, Oh, we should get together. And they go, I'll check my schedule. It's like, you know, you're not going to check your schedule. You don't even want to hang out with the person. You don't want them to check this. You're just saying it. Cause it goes through the motions of hanging out. Um, <laughs> like it you is. You got me. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, check the schedule. See when we can do it. Oh, I'm pretty busy. I got my schedule right yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll it's like you got your schedule right on your phone. Everybody has a schedule on them. Do it now. Put your money oh, where your mouth is. Make plans. Uh, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I'll get for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like, why do people do that? Because that's the social, right? Those are the social cues. Those are the social things you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, like I flat out told people I didn't want to hang out with them because I didn't want to. And at first they are super kind of like taken back and, and in a way offended. Um, but then if, if I'm allowed to like explain it, people, people understand, you know, uh, somebody wanted me to go over their house for a campfire. Uh, first it was dinner. It was like, can you like, Oh, do you want to come over? My wife's going to make dinner. I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not, I'm not a big dinner guy like that. And he's like, why not? And I go, because then I'll feel like I have to give you guys dinner and it'll weigh on me if I don't give you guys dinner. And it's just a social thing I don't want to deal with. And then he's like, well, we're going to have friends over for a fire. Do you want to do that? And I'm like, I would rather have dinner because now we're at a social <laughs> setting with a bunch of people that I don't know in this thing where I can't escape. Oh, that's torture. That is that is. the Oh, do God. Do you find, um, because of what you do, and I know I know that for sure Brian and Aurora have, have probably encountered this because I know I have, where they'll they'll into they'll invite you to a, a party or a get together because they know you're going to sort of be a highlight for people because you, they know you've got the wit. Um, like I know with with Brian and Aurora and I, we're photographers, so often they'll invite us to a party because you know you'll show up and they'll go, "Oh, did you bring your camera?" I'm like, no, I, I got yeah. something. Like, yeah, but you know, you always take such great pictures, and you start thinking, did you invite me for the pictures? So, do you find that for yourself as well that people invite you just because they think you're going to be that highlight for other guests? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like uh, between parties like that, uh, there's situations. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, my last relationship that I had, um, I, I like the girl that I dated. She just, I really firmly believe she used she just liked the idea of dating a comedian because I was fun and she seen me on stage and that's how she knew me right she came to a show she saw me next thing you know we're talking um and and so it's not only just like parties and social situations like that it's literally just are you hanging out with me because I'm a comedian or do you like me as a person? Not even just know? hanging out, but that to me, that, that's kind of, that's a messy situation where you've got, you know, you're trying to be emotionally involved with somebody and you have to question whether or not they're actually attached to you or if they're attached to what you do. Yeah. Um, which I've never had to deal with that personally. I can't imagine that sort of struggle. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a song, uh, there's a fish song uh, called Birds of a Feather. And that's literally what the song is about. Like, it's just about like, 
you know, are these people, do they really want to hang out with you? And then sometimes you get sucked in. So now it's like, like I've been sucked into times where it's like, wait, like I've been hanging out with these people for like a month and a half. Where did they come from? How did I get here? You know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, these aren't my people, you know? And the next thing you know, little by little, it's just a, a falling out and it's not anybody's fault. It's not like a bad thing. It just happens. But, you know, do you guys find that where you go through like different social circles? Oh, hundred percent. I think, yeah. I think that's just what happens in life. I think we all, like you said, we change, we all change as people throughout the course of our lives. I think if you don't change, there's an issue unless you're perfect at the beginning. If you start out perfect, then kudos, good on you. Yeah. But I think most of us obviously go through changes in our lives that force us to go into different social circles. Hey, even uh, Mr. Perfect changed. So there you go. <laughs> you could have been born perfect, but even Mr. Perfect changed. <laughs> Uh, even this social circle, I feel like we've grown as a podcast and as a group of friends. We didn't really, like Mark and Aurora, I didn't even know before this podcast. Brian and I have known each other for about a year. And even then, we we talked a few times. We didn't well, keep we up regularly in any way. Yeah. yeah, we'd see each other at wrestling events, and that'd be about it. So over the last month now, I've grown really close with these guys, and I feel I can include them in my social circle. So, yeah, it's definitely an ever-changing thing. I think that's always going to be the case. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Aurora, I saw you had a question earlier. Did you still? Um, I thought it was a pretty good point that was brought up earlier about saying no in a social situation. I feel like there's absolutely no uh, reason to feel bad about saying no. If it's for you, if it's for your mental health. I went through like this journey about a year and a half ago where I was saying yes to way too much. Like, way too much. It was impacting me. I was having panic attacks. I was having, you know, a overwhelming amount of stress. Um, and it was because I was saying yes to too many things. And there's absolutely nothing, for anybody who's listening, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying no because you need you need it, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes and I, and I think like, and I think the people that understand you are going to mm -hmm. understand when you say no. Exactly. Yeah. The friends that you uh, have uh, in your life, if you explain it to them and if they understand, then they're, you know, the friends that you want to keep in your pocket, <laughs> yeah. um, the, the friends that are going to support you through that. And I'm lucky to have uh, some great friends who understand that. Yeah. Uh, I'm lucky to have great friends that I don't want to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> they totally understand. I don't want to be near them. I love my friends because they know I hate them. <laughs> I love Brian said too though. Like Brian said, it's when, when you're given that opportunity to explain why you're saying no. You know, it's one thing to be like, no, I don't want to hang out. But then if you have that chance to say, this is why, you know, I don't I don't do well in these situations. I don't want to be involved in this right now. That makes a world of difference. So for those listening, if you receive those messages, don't be quick to blow somebody off. Don't be quick to think it's an offensive thing directed at you. A lot of the times it comes back on that individual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they could just lie to your face and you'd never know because yeah. you're going to yeah. check your schedule, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and this, that's another good point too is, is uh, even if somebody just says no, you, they don't need to give you a reason. Um, you know, like if, if, if you've asked somebody for help and they say, you know, I'm sorry, I can't help you. They're under no obligation to give you any mm. sort of an excuse or a reason why. Um, and then, and then sometimes if somebody says, oh, well, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have time. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that their schedule is chock-a-block, that they that they've literally don't have another minute in a day. It's that they don't have any more time that they're willing to part with because, you know, it's, it's no different than when you go to work, you don't really get paid in money. You get, you get 
paid to be able to you 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 pay with bits of your time that you give that your employer or or whoever it is helping out. So you know, don't don't be afraid to say no. I'm sorry, I don't have time because you have no more time to give because the rest is mine, right? Or my family's, right? So yeah, it's, uh, that's a that's a really good point. And that was actually something I was going to bring up on my podcast, just how like my whole life is set on time, right? If I'm doing comedy, it's time. You work, it's time. Everything is yeah. time. Like like time is money to me. And and yeah, you're right. It's okay to just say I don't want to give you two hours on a Sunday afternoon because I just want to sit home and play video games today and shut my brain off for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. which is a what really you need. good point. And yeah. you don't have to explain that that's what you need. That's a really good point. In fact, it's really hard to uh, to have the self awareness to know that that's a possibility because, again, let's just I'm going to use my world for an example. Um, in my world, I have to try and make as much money as I can in as many avenues as I can to cover life, right? And to say no to opportunities or to say no to somebody may lose me a future opportunity, which could potentially pay a lot of money. Like, for example, this McMichael Art Gallery job that I'm working this week, I had to say no to it because they wanted me to go work there at their facility originally. And I was like, mm, sorry, I can't do it. But I was really scared that that would compromise my potential to do it next year or the year after because why would they bring me back? I just happened to get lucky because they eventually decided that they would all go virtual. So I was able to step back in and do it. But saying no to opportunities is something that I, I, I can't really do. I, I don't have that luxury. So if I had known that I could give myself the permission, and this is a big thing that I always say, is you have to give yourself permission to do things sometimes. And to give yourself permission to say no is what I would have to hear. Brian, you can give yourself permission to say no to this for whatever reason you have or no reason at all. And uh, the conversation we just had, again, I've gotten so much better in my personal life since we've started doing this podcast because of these little nuggets that I'm learning from every single person we talk to. Um, I'm taking away something from every conversation and this conversation is no different. And I appreciate it because, uh, you know, that saying no thing, that's valuable. That's very valuable. Well, and as somebody who's full of like, you know, still full of piss and vinegar, hearing these stories and hearing all these different interactions each and every week, it it's huge for me as well because it gives me a chance to, as somebody who has, you know, I wouldn't say minimal life experiences, but obviously, you know, I haven't, uh, I, I'm not understanding as, of as much, right? I don't know as many, I couldn't give you guys life advice. I'm not going to be the one to sit here and be like, well, guys, in my experience, this is what you should be doing. So Back having when I was a boy, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I used to walk to work. <laughs> but yeah, so having these conversations for that reason, again, it, it allows me to, to hear these different uh, points of view and just kind of think differently about my own life and the way that I think. It, it allows me to, to clearly sort of see my own faults, which is, it's huge for me. I really appreciate that. Hmm. That's cool. Um, while we're kind of winding down here, one thing I did want to touch on as well, Brian, you had mentioned that uh, somebody who who suffers from the disease known as ADHD. Um, I suffer from ADHD. <laughs> um, how? Because I know there's a lot of people. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Uh, I know there's a lot of the a lot of people going through different forms of uh, you know mental health disorders, right? Whether it be ADHD, whether it be insomnia, whether it be whatever it is that that you are suffering from, you have found a way to to incorporate that into your career and actually use it as a tool to better yourself. 
how do you do you think that came naturally or is there advice you have for people that are in a similar situation to to encourage them to utilize their their disease quote unquote in a more positive manner embrace the disease is what i say no yeah. <laughs> no but seriously <laughs> embrace it uh it's who it's who i am it's does that make sense it's who yes. it's who yeah, i 100%. am that is who i am with 80 yeah, but you know it but you know yeah. it. And, and this so, see i'm i'm dyslexic and uh I'm, I'm a bit all over the place right um so i've got my own things going on but it wasn't until i realized those things that i understood that i could again give myself permission to just understand this is what i'm going through i have to learn differently i have to react differently um but until you know those things you're just somebody who's all over the place and you don't even know you're all over the place. So the fact that you're at the point where you can say it's who I am and you embrace it. I mean, that's a lot further than a lot of people have gotten. Uh, yeah, I think, well, I was diagnosed when I was in my early thirties. I'm 38 now. So I've only known that I've had ADHD for what, eight years at the most. So I lived my whole life not knowing what was going on like not knowing why i would just have mood swings like why would i just have a mood swing why do i and and like yelling stuff out in class i didn't know that that was a symptom you know and i didn't know it was a symptom until i was at the at the office getting evaluated for adhd and the doctor's like have you ever yelled things out in class and i'm like that's what i do baby that's what am i supposed to do right and uh you know, and then it, like you find out all these little things, and 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 it was like, it was like I, I went to this uh, psychologist looking for answers, and he just like he didn't just pull back the curtain. This he just ripped that shit down, and and from there it's like, all right, wow, I have this whole world that I didn't know existed. Oh, that's why I do that thing. That's why I have this mood swing. That's why I react this way. That's why. When uh, somebody says something and I'm on stage, I know how to come back like that. It's all these things that are are under this ADHD umbrella. And so since then, it's been like a journey of trying to figure myself out, right? And uh, and I'm learning stuff every day. <laughs> I just uh, – no, I, I mean, not every day, but I just recently found out I have uh, – I have dystemia. Do you guys have you guys ever heard of dystemia? No. I suffer from dystemia. <laughs> Hi, Brian. <laughs> Chronic form of depression may cause you to lose interest in life, feel hopeless, and lack productivity, and have low something. It doesn't continue, but I would assume that's low self-esteem or something. Yeah, yeah, that's dystemia in a nutshell. So basically, uh, in layman terms, everybody wakes up and they're kind of like right here in terms of like, you're not happy, you're not sad, you're just right in the middle. And then your day kind of moves on from there. My day starts out below that bar. So it's like I have to force myself to be happy so that I can feel normal and then, uh, and then elevate that to happiness or whatever. And so... But learning that, it's like I've, I've learned that that's how my brain starts out the day. That's how my brain works. And the ADHD triggers that. So because 
something will set me off in a negative way because of the ADHD and I'll react to it. The dystemia grabs it and holds onto it. And it's like, all right, now we're going to dwell on this for the next week, you know, and this is, this is what your life is going to be mm -hmm. for the next week. And it can be, it can be over something so simple and, or so dumb, or it can be something really complex that should make you sad. But, um, yeah, there's really no telling what could set it off. But again, it's just learning yourself and, and figuring out, all right, I have this thing. I'm going to own it because that's who I am. And then I'm going to learn and that's what's going to make me better. So just by knowing that, all right, if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm going to, if I'm dwelling on negative stuff, I'm going to start the day even lower than I do, than I normally do. All right. So now I'm going to listen to guided meditation before I go to bed. Right. So now before I go to bed, instead of listening to like white noise or something to put me to sleep, I just put on this guided meditation and I listen to this guy take me through a journey down the forest about building self-esteem. And, and I think it's like subconsciously like working, you know, like it's like that episode of Saved by the Bell. Remember when that episode, you guys have Saved by the Bell in Canada? Yeah. You guys have you guys have bells in Canada? Right. There's a couple. There's a couple. It's cold most of the year from the ring. Well, one of them was rung by Zach Morris. <laughs> but it was it's like that episode of Saved by the Bell where he put the secret message in the commercial and all the girls want to date him. So I feel like if I can end the day with that and I go to sleep with like an extra 45 minutes of somebody chirping in my ear about positivity and I wake up happy the next day, I'm I'll do it, right? And that's just one thing I have to do to help myself out. At least you're doing oh, that's it. That's perfect. That's yeah, perfect. and I would rather do that because the opposite of that is, I, I mean, I went through a real, I've gone through real, real long, real, like, severe depressive bouts. Do you guys call them bouts or spouts? I never know what it is. Bouts. Is it a spout? Depends on the day. I just call it a funk. I get it. Yeah, I, get a it. I, call, yeah, it, I call it a blue made. funk. Right, yeah. I, I do meditations as well, and I find that they help me immensely. I don't normally do them to go to sleep. I do them, you know, midday or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'll do a, a meditation, and they can help pull me right out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just it's just owning what you have and and trying to help yourself out the most. Yeah. yeah. So as, as we kind of start winding, oh, sorry, Aurora had something to say. Oh, I'm just um, one thing that was really interesting to me is that you went to a psychiatrist, you went to a, a professional to help you give these tools that can help you uh, with life in general, help you get through this, you know, tough time or whatever it may be. I've done the same thing. I've gone to therapists. Um, I just want the people to know who, who are listening, if they're ever struggling with anything, it is a good idea to seek out professional help. I have suck out, I have basically seeked out professional help before and I've used the free resources not even one that I've had to pay and it's really really helped me like one of the things Mark was saying earlier about uh you know your time your uh time to decompress is actually you spending a chunk of your mental energy your mental health uh, that is something actually a therapist had talked to me about um and you know meditation things like that, like that'll help you through the tough moments in, in your life. I've used meditation before um, and it, it can definitely really help, you know, reading audiobooks through it. Um, it really, having these coping me mechanisms, having these tools can really help you either out of a creative uh, 
a dip in your life or, you know, if you're suffering from any sort of mental health or even just now with COVID being cooped up inside all this time, there are so many more people struggling with this because they're not seeing people, they're not talking. Um, so having these little kind of coping mechanisms um, can really, really help in the long run. So, yeah. and, if, and if that doesn't work, do drugs. <laughs> Right, no. Lots of drugs. <laughs> we, we, we can edit this in post, I think, right? <laughs> so so this is a great drugs. time to talk about our charities. I support addiction recovery and... <laughs> Lame. <laughs> um, so in close, I want to do a quick roundtable. I know I'm sure everybody's got uh, a couple more questions for you, Brian. My last question for you, on top of your, your meditation and all these different coping mechanisms that you've, you've come in con or not come in contact with look i've got COVID on the brain now all these different uh coping mechanisms that you've you found have you do you find you're at a place now where you're not necessarily looking for different coping mechanisms are you quite happy with what you've got and the way that you're able to get through your day-to-day -day? or obviously with the uh the dystemia i'm sure it still makes it a bit of a pain in the ass from time to time but yeah i mean i mean look you can i'm always down to get new things that are going to help me out uh the one big hurdle the one thing that I haven't done that I should do that I will I will always put this off is to actually take medication for it. Uh, that's the one thing where I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll listen to meditation. You know, I have a counselor, Rob. He's been my counselor for nine years now since I got diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, since I got diagnosed. So, yeah, he's been with me forever. And... Uh, and, he, you know, for years, he's like, why don't you just try medication, medication? That's like the one thing I haven't done, but I'm always down to try something. Um, and sometimes I'll just flat out tell you no. You know, I was down one day and I was talking to my friend Katie, the co-host on my podcast. And she's like, she's like, just take a walk. And I'm like, no, you go take a walk. Let me know. Like, I was mad. I'm like, I want to take a stupid walk. But yeah, man, I'm always down to try new things. I'm always down to help myself out, right? It's just it's it's easier said than done, I guess. Yeah. is what I should have just yeah. said two minutes ago. <laughs> no, that makes the most sense of it. That, that's that's again why we do this show, though, is to, to have people kind of see those interactions, see that you getting that light bulb of, oh yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like we, it doesn't matter. At certain points, I'm going to freak out, and I, as much as I want to be open minded about it, sometimes you can't be. At the end of the day, you're not always going to be open minded as much as you want to be. I can admit and be like, I'm always going to be open minded about everything. But I'm not. I, I'll be the first to admit that there'll be times where I go, no, I don't want to do this. I don't care. You'll to be open-minded so. about things you want to be open-minded about. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yep. And I'm a so. comedian, so I break things down in a negative way all the time. That's ultimately what a joke is. You're making fun of something. Mm -hmm. So so telling me to go for a walk is like lighting a, lighting a fuse on a bomb and just waiting for it to go off. Uh, I've had... <laughs> If anybody wants to hear some good mental, like, mm, just top-notch breakdowns, the Wicked Funny Podcast has a couple episodes where I just lose my mind on the episode. A lot of them are like Brian yells at Frank, Brian loses his mind, uh, Brian flips out again. Uh, I love anything where Brian does edibles. Just tossing that out there. Those are the ones I generally tune into. All right, yeah, okay. Just, yeah. <laughs> we, it's a big month, man. We're, we're recording the Big 420 episode tomorrow. And uh, I'm going to have go. a whole bunch of edibles, and I'm not going to tell my podcast co-hosts about it. I'm just going to do it and see if they catch on. 
I just want to tell my mother who's watching the Brian we're talking about right now is not me. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, oh, check the, don't check the mail, Brian. <laughs> and uh, for those of you guys that are listening, you can check out the Wicked Funny podcast in our description. We've got a link that will lead you right to that podcast. Go and check it out. It is Wicked Funny. Wicked yeah, we fun. might get stewed, so go check it out. Uh, I saw that today. I know you can't talk about it, but I'm really curious. I, oh, no, I'll I talk can't about wait to. It. I'll talk about it. If you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that we had a guest on a couple weeks ago, Tyler. And Tyler's a local comedian around here, and he has a cool story. He has a walker, and, uh, you know, and. He has a great story. He's crippled. Um, <laughs> he has a disease. I was waiting for more, but you know, if that's he all has it is, a that's... disease, but it's not ADHD. It's not his ADHD is not as bad as mine. <laughs> so anyway, while he was on, uh, he was telling a story about the underground world of the cripple community. And how they have like rivalries against each other, which is great. And uh, he started talking about this guy Gus that um, that is his rival. It's his nemesis. And uh, the guy Gus heard the episode, got a hold of us, and he's he's like, "I want to come on the podcast." And uh, and, uh, and we're like, "No." <laughs> Like, like you don't like we didn't say your name. You you don't want to come on because you did things that are really questionable that we really that you really shouldn't want to answer questions about this thing. And uh, if anyone wants to hear, it's on the Tyler episode of the podcast. And uh, it's it's really funny. But I'm kind of hoping I get sued. Um... <laughs> oh. We, I think we lost Brian there. Oh, no. it's, the lawyers were listening and they cut him the off. Lawyers, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Edited by the man already. It's probably his agent decided that he didn't want to be sued and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while we try to, to figure out if Brian's coming back, I'm sure he will. It's just going to take a second to, to catch back up here. Do you guys have any final questions for Brian? I do, but I'd like him to be here listening to it to ask it. Perfect. Yeah. No, I just, I want to get an idea before he comes back. I'm like, okay, who, who do we have any final questions? Are we going into, uh, oh yeah. So he just said, sorry, my internet went out. Be right back. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries, Brian. No worries. Life, Um, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens when you, (laughs) when you talk (laughs) about being sued. Just to, just to finish off, yeah, that's how, that's how they put the caramel in the cases. <laughs> yeah, your lawyer must be on the other side somewhere here. He just knew. Yeah. Somebody unplugged it. So anyway, uh, Gus is trying to sue us. <laughs> Gus. Gus. I, I do love though the uh the argument of you don't want to come on and tell these stories you, you i don't understand why you're messaging me saying you want to defend yourself in these questionable yeah, acts because but. the thing that really set him off there was a he did this really creepy thing that involves somebody else's wife and we talk about it on our patreon episode which is behind a paywall so really at the most 30 people right now are hearing it. Uh, it's probably going to go up after tomorrow's episode comes out and we actually talk about it. But uh, So we're, we're trying to tell him, like, look, you can come on, but you're not going to come on as Gus. You're going to come on as your real name. You you just said you were running for politics and you're going to answer questions about Ooh. this thing that you allegedly did. Like, that's... You don't want to do it. Like, you don't... 
as your lawyer, you do not want to do that. Right? <laughs> Jeez, that's wild. That is absolutely yeah, wild. It's pretty great. Uh, you know, it's weird that you you kind of alluded to you know doing something to another person's wife or whatever. But currently, what's airing right now is our episode one, where we talked about that kind of a thing going on in the wrestling industry, about somebody who was going behind other wrestlers backs and sleeping with their wives and doing inappropriate things and and that's literally what's airing tonight on uh on live so so cheap plug <laughs> yeah yeah right exactly <laughs> a cheap plug for the past right now we're back to the futuring right now but uh yeah it's 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 prevalent it's everywhere people are are doing douchebag things and and getting caught because social media will get them caught and uh and it's good that people are standing up and talking about it and, you know, calling people out for doing the douchebaggery because that is just not the way life should oh, and be. And I love it. I love it. We have a whole segment on my podcast called Creepy Corner where we have women send creepy messages that guys send them. <laughs> oh, no. And me and my co-host Katie read them like a script. Oh, beautiful. It, it's absolutely hilarious. Like it starts out with like – you know, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, good Christmas. Did you get presents? Yeah, you got presents. Hey, why don't you let me see them titties? And it's like, whoa, <laughs> really? Like, well, that's just talking about Christmas. Yeah. And it and it and sometimes it's like way more graphic than that. Like it's it like the stuff that guys send women is just completely insane now. Like it's, it's insanity. And, uh, it boggles my mind. I'm actually, I'm afraid to know what you've seen. I'm afraid to know what you've read and seen in some of these chats. Oh, it's amazing. We had a whole contest, a month-long contest, where every episode we read two or three different messages from people. It's it's insane. And and the thing is, like, it's like, have I sent messages that are arguably creepy? Sure. But I know the people before I do it. We have a relationship. I'm talking yep. like, you don't know this person here comes a dick pic flying yeah. in hot, you know? <laughs> I'm well, on the other side of it, too. The other side of it, though, too, is like you had said, we, A, you would know the person. And I've had this conversation myself. I've thought, have I sent creepy messages in the past? Possibly. But A, it's people I know. And B, the second there's any sort of, yeah, I'm not interested, it's, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to definitely, I'll message this creepy thing to somebody else then. Yeah, I'm going to pull so it out the ring. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Let's understand the creepy persistence. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's this persistence that, that I see in these messages where I'm like, you guys really don't know when to take no. And then when they do, it's really funny because they just, they'll be so persistent and then finally get the hint and go, okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. Sometimes they, they, sometimes they really, really don't. And it's, yeah. it's really amazing to see. And, but what, what really sucks about it is that now, because I'm already bad at reading a social situation. So now I know what these women deal with on an almost daily basis. So now for me, when it comes to like dating and stuff, now I'm like super, like cautious about like you know oh like oh do do I do I call this a date when I ask you if you want to hang out like like I break that down you know and it's, so it's like and it's like I I question if I'm being creepy or not and uh more often than not I'm not but it's more often than not more often than not I'm not <laughs> but if I am I probably know them you know like but you own it so it's but okay. I own it you know well, it's that self-awareness. Again, you have to be aware. Like when I've said, and like Brian said, we've sent 
quote unquote creepy messages that we weren't aware they were creepy at the time. We look back and go, oh, that's a bit cringy. I wouldn't say that nowadays. Like, yeah. But again, we've had that self-awareness to go, oh, they're not interested or yeah, that was really dumb. I'm never saying that again. Didn't work. So it's you need to have that self-awareness. Um, like here's I a think- good rule that I have. If uh, if they can screenshot it and send it to my mom, would I be okay with my mom reading that? You know, because I love my mom. I love my mom, and I don't want my mom to think of me as this horny, horned up hornball. That's horny, that's horned on up Tinder. Horny, horned horn up hornball. I love it. Uh, that should be a t-shirt. That should you know be a t-shirt. You, you keep it. Here's what's happening. You guys are so nice and you're so clean that I don't want to. I don't want to say what I want to say. So instead, I say horned up. Hornball being horny because I don't want to go off on whatever I was going to say. Oh, oh that's hilarious. I we'll do expressions after dark one of these days. The yeah. Damn Canadians. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, actually, All this right. is going to lead me to my question that I was going to ask you at the end. Um, now, you mentioned that last Thursday you had a gig. Okay, so. Here's my thought. Here in Ontario, there has been nothing for uh-huh. a year. Nothing. Nice. No gigs, no going to bars, no hanging out with people, nothing. So to hear that you were actually able to perform last Thursday, first, tell everybody where you are, because I don't think we've actually said where you live. I am in. No, we don't uh, need to give your address. Yeah, where's your address <laughs> and uh, banking <laughs> information, <laughs> social insurance number? 136 ADHD Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Catch my disease. It's my disease. <laughs> okay, I'm the so- corner of psoriasis and cancer. <laughs> oh, psoriasis. Thank you very much. I got it too, bro. Oh, <laughs> There's another issue, right? You have issues like psoriasis, and that's a whole other beat down on your self-esteem and you're oh man to get up on stage and have have any kind of um confidence in yourself i I give you a lot of credit if you have psoriasis and all these other things i'm selling cameras to kids and people and the little kid will look over and say what's wrong with your hands did you get a burn like ah so frustrating sometimes and it really if a kid asked me uh I, I got like a little blo- I got blotches on my leg. I'm I'm uh, like I finally took this medication that cleared it up. That was like the one thing that that was like super like uh, that I was really uh, self conscious about, which is weird because I had like breakouts on my legs and I wore shorts on stage. Um, but yeah, like that was the one thing I never really like owned was it's was hard psoriasis. To. Yeah, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. To. So it's like, okay, now I have to ask a girl out and then say, I have psoriasis. Thank God I was married, or at least dating Shelly, before it really full bloomed. And thank oh, God yeah. she's okay with it because... She's grandfathered in. She's grandfathered <laughs> in, exactly. 25 years in, she's she owns it, you know? But, it's no. just oh. skin. Grow up and she, back. She worries less about it than I do, and I thank God for that. But yeah. you know, it's it's definitely something that if I ever had to uh, start over again, God forbid, not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. I wouldn't. I would just stay home. But yeah. anyway, back, back to the question. Um, so you, you're in Rhode Island. Yeah. So I'm in Rhode Island. And how are you still doing stand up? Like, how is that still going on with the, with the pandemic? Because people don't give a fuck around here. That's crazy. <laughs> um, 
you know what? And and Rhode Island's really like one of the stricter states. Um, so in this all and and yeah, I had a gig last Thursday. My first live gig was in June. So June of last, yeah, because we haven't had June of this year. Not yet. yet. Not yet. So <laughs> June of 2020. Was like, <laughs> well, we're doing the Back to the Future thing, so you never know. Yeah. And, and you've been doing gigs consistently since then, right? Like for the most part? I wouldn't say consistently. I, consist- I can't say consistently. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'd say, yeah, I mean, at least one a month. You know, I went on, I, I did have a month where I had a show every weekend. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I was doing a tour. It was amazing. <laughs> but but yeah, man, uh, things are running up. And what basically happened here is like all the states kind of had their own COVID rules. So Florida, it, you can like months ago, you can go to Florida, no mask, no nothing. You know, Alabama, you can go to Alabama, no mask, no nothing. Wherever you, you know, in Rhode Island, it's like, all right, you got to wear a mask. Bars closes at this time to where you guys in Canada, you guys had like one system where it was like hey shut down let's get through this and we'll eh, no, eh, no no, oh, wow. no it's guys, not nearly as, it's as cut and dry as that it's, it's yeah from the outside looking in i can see how it would come across like that from yeah. last but. march to last june i'd say that that was accurate from june on we don't have the bars open we did for a little while uh very very small groups of people going in so there has been some progress but then all of a sudden they change it and it goes back again then it comes out then it goes back and it comes out the, the best comparison i can give it is so when you did your show in june we were i think at the tail end of our first shutdown we shut down in ontario so our province from march until june or july i think it was yeah. and uh at that point they had closed pretty much anything um you can go to your grocery stores uh any other business was closed it was pretty much a lockdown we were able to, my wife and I, sneak in a wedding in our backyard legally because that's what they opened it up to. When they opened up in July and August, they said you could do outdoor ceremonies of 50 to 100 people, I think, something like that. So my wife and I got our wedding in, and then by December, everything was shut down again. And even prior to that, we got our wedding in, and I think a month after that, they pulled back those restrictions, and, or tightened them, sorry, tightened those restrictions and said, nope, now it needs to be 20 people in your outdoor wedding, nobody inside. And it's just been constant chaos and there's never been a definitive answer that's what's happening here but it's happening in 50 different places with 50 different you can open you can shut down you can do this you know you can only open if people wipe their ass from the back and you can only open if everybody wears a mask and you guys don't have to wear a mask at all it's just yeah so literally nobody knows what's going on anywhere that is crazy because it's so different that's so bad that's so bad it doesn't yeah. give you any sense of the rules that way. Yeah, there are no rules, and, and the rules yep. change so fast. Yeah, well, and, it's, then, and it's what causes this divide with people. It's what causes these. I know what's going on. I know what's right and what's wrong. And you see these people fighting over, essentially not nothing, but fighting over who they think is right. And that to me is ridiculous. That's where I'm like drawing the line on it all. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I'm at a point now where uh. And and this is like this is gonna sound dark. If 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 someone gets the corona that was bragging about how it only infects 0.3 percent or whatever, um, I love it when they have it. I love it. I think it's great. And you know what? I want you to suffer for two fucking weeks because um, I've had friends that died from it. You know, mm-hmm. I want you to fucking feel it. Um, I. I understand the idea that things need to open up because for a year I didn't have shows for a year. I had to fight with unemployment because unemployment didn't consider comedy um, 
a full-time job. Mm -hmm. So I can understand like, so when things were opening up, it's like, you know what, what do I do? Do I, do I not take the gig because I might catch coronavirus or do I finally get paid for the first time in months? Mm -hmm. You know, like it was such a, you know, it was such a, uh, you know, what do you, what do you call that? Like a, like a moral, like I had a moral dilemma, you know? And, and then I decided like, look, either way, the show's going to happen. And if they're calling me to do the show, uh, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. So I'm only going to do the shows that I feel comfortable doing. And I'm going to go test the water. So the first show I did was outdoors in a tent, a huge tent. And uh, there was maybe 70 people in this tent that could seat 150. It was great. It was fine. Uh, even now, it's 50% capacity usually where we go. And it's fine. I just try to carry myself through this thing the way that I would want other people to carry it. If I was them, you know, like, yeah, I wear my mask when I go inside. I, I, I stay away from people and, and that's it. I feel like if everybody treated it the way that I treat it, it'd be different. And, you know, unfortunately there are people that feel the exact opposite of that and they just want to do what they want to do. And that's yep. what's prolonging this. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, I agree. It's like I think there's a way to there's a way to have a life and get through this and deal with it, and then there's just being an asshole and just not caring. And uh, you know, how, I how think, dare you take away my rights, Brian? Yeah. How dare you take away my rights? Yeah, and I think <laughs> I, and I, it's laughable. The biggest asshole thing that I've said about this is Fourth of July. I'm taking off my mask, right? And I, and that's been like my ongoing joke because I feel like Fourth of July is 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 the time when, like, if you wanted a vaccine, you could have gotten it by Fourth of July, <laughs> right? No, like, I've in, done everything in, I uh, could, you know. Maybe in Rhode Island, but <laughs> not here. Oh, yeah, not here. yeah, no. Not here. I, I was going to ask like, about that. Yeah, what's the vaccination process like down there? Are you, are you guys, for the most part, vaccinated, or is it difficult to get them? I think. Well, right now, again, is a hundred different places with a hundred different uh, reasons to get vaccinated. Uh, I have a day job that I usually don't talk about, so that allowed me to get vaccinated a little earlier. Uh, I also, I also have diabetes, so it's an underlying condition. So I'm able to get immune from coronavirus because of my what? What disease are we talking about? Diabetes. Uh, diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> I take insulin. I'm used to getting shots. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So I was not. able to get it, and uh, and um, and that's it. I, basically everybody. Like I was at a show the other night. The show that I was at was at this big, huge casino in Connecticut, and uh, the owner of the club, like before the show started, came up to me. I was with my buddy Craig Gas, uh, his friend Scott, well, our friend Scott, and uh, and a couple of the comics. He comes up, he goes, "Anybody want a vaccine? Anybody want a vaccine?" Like it was a drug, and I'm like. I, what are you doing? He goes, they're, they're doing vaccines. They have extra vaccines. People didn't show up. They got to get rid of them. So if anybody wants one, you can get one. That's literally how it is. Real quick, Brian, thank you so much for your final question there. Mark, Aurora, do you guys have any final questions for Brian before we get into uh, the last segment of our show? No, I, I just want to say thank you uh, for coming on. Uh, it's been great to meet you all the way from uh, Rhode Island. I'm in Thunder Bay, Ontario, so it's uh, it's been really, really great to meet you. It's been, uh, it's been a good international meeting. Yeah, really. It's uh, <laughs> been, been a lot of fun, and uh, and uh, I'm going to watch a bunch of your stuff on YouTube after the show uh, 
finishes recording. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, yeah, this was this was great. I enjoyed this a lot. And I mean that. I'm not just blowing smoke. Because if I didn't just, like it, I'd tell you. I believe you would. I, believe I would say would. it. I'd say we could have done better, you guys. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aurora, any final questions there? Uh, I wanted to say thank you as well. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for being on call, kind of last minute pickup. Um, so I really appreciate that. And this has been a really fun episode. I've laughed a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I enjoyed this. As it should yeah, this be. has been a lot of fun. And like we had mentioned earlier on the topic of time, the fact that you took the time tonight to, to put this into your schedule and spend an hour and a half with us really means a lot to us, man. We really appreciate you doing that. So. Anytime. Anytime. This was great. This was great. This is a good thing. Awesome. 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 Yeah. So we before we let you go, we, we, we do have a couple. We cured diseases. Do we cure <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not making that claim. We, we, we haven't cured anything. If he's, that's all on his own. That's all on his own. I know we he's trying to teach me to own up to things. He's been teaching me since the beginning, but. Um, <laughs> let's not get sued. <laughs> we've got three more things yeah. that we've got to talk about. Yeah, let's leave lawsuits up to Brian and his podcast there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so a couple more things to talk about. Brian, I'll let you kind of take the floor there. Sure. Okay. The, the three things we want to talk about. First, um, we ask all of our guests if they want to issue a challenge to our viewers, something that like a personal challenge or, you know, we're in photography. So we give a photography challenge. It doesn't have to be anything crazy or they have to do it, but just something that you think would help our viewers improve their day to day by doing a challenge that you think you would issue. This is going to be the just say no challenge. Love and it. it's going to be the if if somebody asks you to do something, say no. Don't make up an excuse. Just tell them, no, I can't do it. And then if you want to say, and if you'd like to know why, I'll tell you. And then it's up to them to be like, why? And then you, and then it gives you an opportunity to open up and have a conversation with somebody about why you might not want to hang out with them. Or it. just take time for yourself. Not just, I don't want to say like, why you don't, why, why your friend is a piece <laughs> of shit. You can tell them why they're a piece of shit. No, you can... You can talk to them about why you don't want to do that particular thing. So the just say no challenge. Nice. Love it. Did you ever find that you'd be, uh, you know, campaigning for a just say no challenge? <laughs> um, you know, I, just, I oh, thought you'd be the poster wow. child to just say no. I, We're talking this about is, the Nancy Reagan the, challenge here? This is the good just say no. This is <laughs> no. You know what happened, and this is what happened on my podcast. I would always say no, and these two dopes made me say yes. They, Katie and Frank, like you just need to say yes more often, which led me into that relationship that I told you guys about earlier. So it's all their fault. While well, I was brokenhearted and depressed for two months after she dumped me. Oh man! All you had to do was just say just no. Just say no. It's, if <laughs> I had said no right up front, I wouldn't. I, I would not be in that predicament. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's that. Thank you very much for that. Great challenge. I'm going to take that challenge because I say I don't say no enough. Um, the second question is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, what's your jam? My what? What's that, that song that you listen to that just gets you Grape in the right mood? Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Grape Jelly is the jam. I like preserves. <laughs> okay, that took me way too long. That took me way too long. I'm out of here. You just got it. 
Okay, but seriously, is there a song that that just gets you going? That just every time you hear this one song, it just kicks you in the ass and just wants you to get excited or get shit done or just you know feel better about life. Yo, I have a lot of songs for a lot of different things. Uh, uh, the one go-to song that I have where it's like I need to listen to a song is uh, Box of Rain by the Grateful Dead. So that, nice. that would be – that. I guess that would be the go-to. That would be the awesome. go-to. That's the Brian is sad uh, and I need to cheer myself up song. But okay. I, I also listen to a lot of Kanye West. Rich okay. <laughs> I didn't really, take you for a Kanye fan. Yeah. I love me some Kanye West, and I'll tell you why. Because he's, he's, despite how crazy he is, right? Like, he's a crazy person. He admits that he's a crazy. Like, you want to talk about a guy that embraces mental illness? Guy has a whole album about being bipolar. Um, he knows who he is. He sings, the, the, what he sings about in his story. It comes off as, like, if you hate Kanye and listen to it, you're like, fuck Kanye. But if you listen to it, it's really, like, for me, it's really empowering. It's really, um, it, it really lifts me up and it makes me feel confident. Uh, that's why, that, so that's why I, I listen to a lot of Kanye West, probably more than anybody would ever imagine. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've never really given Kanye the time. To, to get into it. So maybe I'll give that a shot. I, I would say I have recently shot. for the same reason that Brian just said, I have people telling me that, that they're because I used to be one of those Kanye haters. I went, yeah, the dude's just a whip maniac. The guy's completely off his rocker. Stage, interrupts Taylor Swift. Yeah. Like I just, I never gave him the time of day. And over the last few months, my boss is a huge fan of Kanye West. So he started telling me exactly what Brian had said. He goes, look, if you actually look at the context of his music and see what he's doing, he's an artist. He's a, a full blown artist. There's really no denying is. that. So I, I yeah. issue the Kanye, West challenge. <laughs> it's too late. You've already got it's to where just you say have no challenge. Knock up a it's over. and get a divorce. <laughs> challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. One more question for you, and then we're going to let you go with your, your with your evening. Um, the last question is tools of the trade. Now, tools of the trade could be um, again for a photographer. It could be a, a good lens that you like to use, or it could be anything you want. It could just be a thought that gets you through the day. Do you have something that you would impart to other people wanting to be a comedian that would just give them a tool that would help them in their everyday life? Yeah, well, you know, it's I don't have there's no tools in a pad and a pen and uh, record your set and listen to it. This is what I tell all the young comedians when I really don't want to give them good advice. I just say record <laughs> your set and listen to it. <laughs> Bring a pad and a pen and write everything down. Uh, don't copy Eddie Murphy. Don't I copy everybody. Copy everything. <laughs> no, that's what he tells the people he's giving good advice to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my 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 serious go-to advice for any uh, comedian or and then, and you can take this over into into anything really. Uh, be better than the person next to you. Right. The comedy is a very ego driven it is very cutthroat it is very uh do, you just you us oh, disheartening at times like you just you, anything can you, you get told no so many times or you'll see somebody else get a gig before you and it's like look the best you can do is just be the best of everybody around you right be better than everybody around you so uh show up early right that's being better than everybody around you uh, record your set. Listen back to it. Work on your set. 
don't get drunk at the club. Be better than everybody around you. Because at the end of the day, like there are gigs that I've gotten early in my career, and I got them because I was just at the club early for a show, you know, or uh, you know, or I just I reached out to a booker and I was just more professional than uh, than another comedian, you know. So just and you're right. Better that does apply to everything. It applies yeah. to wrestling. It applies to photography. Uh, it applies to everything. So great, 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 great one. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. awesome. Well, thank you. We do let you go, Brian. Uh, where can people keep up with you? Obviously, you're you've got your YouTube channel. You've got the Wicked Funny Podcast. What do you want to promote? What do you want people seeing on the internet? Because we live in the the digital age. All right, we go. You can go to IllinoisCockburn.com, and. <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing that is a real thing illinoiscockburn.com it takes you to the wicked funny podcast page right on uh, okay now the reason yeah i look, you had man. brian a little nervous there brian was like i don't know what you're sending our listeners what is, what to but why is he sending us to his only fans <laughs> <laughs> it's my only fans page where i itch my psoriasis my pajamas <laughs> <laughs> And the circle is complete. I love it. Oh, shit. It's psoriasis friendly only fans. It's called IllinoisCockburn.com. Oh, so, um, oh. I'm God again. I'm God again. I, got, I even got like stickers, okay. right? I got stickers. IllinoisCockburn.com. Perfect. Okay, so I the, the Illinois basketball team, the college basketball team this year was going on a run, and they were like my favorite thing to watch was co Illinois college basketball because they had this guy named Kofi Cockburn, right? He's a big seven-foot center. This guy's a monster. He's fun to watch, and the whole team was just fun to watch. So one night I ate an edible, and I got really high, and I just bought a website called IllinoisCockburn.com, and I'm like, well, all right, uh, I don't know how to build a website. I don't know what to do. But if I type my web, like the Wicked Funny Podcast, I could chip it. So Illinois Cockburn just brings you to the Wicked Funny Podcast page where you can like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Uh, that that's art. That there is art. Yeah, I just want to toss that out there. The uh, the way that story came, I've never heard somebody create a website off of. Yeah, I got high, ate an edible, thought I'm going to use this college basketball player that I'm having a lot of fun watching, and name it IllinoisCockburn.com and turn it into my podcast. And then I got and that then, and is then, art. And then and then I got bumper stickers. And, and I got bumper stickers. stickers so. I got bumper stickers in two two colors. I have two colors. That <laughs> is awesome. That's dedication. Yeah. IllinoisCockburn.com, baby. <laughs> or if you don't want to type in cock, you can go to Wicked Funny Podcast. <laughs> well, it's more fun the other way. So it's more fun. way more fun. Way more fun. Uh, can people buy these stickers anywhere? By, real quick, do you guys have a merch shop to buy these stickers, or did you just no, order them? Sell them out. You're gonna have to come see me live. You're there you gonna go. Have to cross the border. <laughs> see me live. We'll get to that eventually. No, no we we got a no, merch. We're place. not gonna come. Yeah, there's. Uh, I just yeah, we got no. a merch site. It's on it's on IllinoisCockburn.com. Nice. Um, yeah, so check that out, guys. Check out IllinoisCockburn.com. Check out the Winnie Funny po Wicked Funny Podcast. Wicking. Oh my god. Wicked Funny Podcast. Brian, thank you so much for being a part of the show. It's been a blast. We haven't laughed like this in a long, long time. Uh, thank you for cheering up our COVID downers, whatever you want to call that. 
the COVID. Uh, I hope COVID I blues. Hope you guys are cured of of COVID soon, and you're able to go out and do stuff. Uh, you too. Uh, what, Enjoy. Four years by Mark's count there. Four yeah, years yeah, is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm with you though. I really don't want to leave the house anyway. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, I also want to say a big thank you to all of our co-hosts and a huge huge thank you to each and every one of you listening. I want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every week. Uh, as of now, we have finally caught up. We posted our first episode. We got to interact with all the comments. So thank you guys for that. We can't wait to see this show grow. We can't wait to grow with each and every one of you. So for myself, Brian Weiss, Aurora Robinson. Mark Flinders and Brian Bowden. We want to say thank you and we will see you next week right here on the Expressions Podcast. Ooh, ooh, ooh.